With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the W. TF1 podcast. I decided to do a wave as well. It's the Miami Grand Prix edition. Of course, the trio is back together after I don't even know how long, but Tommy decided to have a baby and then Katie was away for a little bit. Oh, and now finally we've managed to align our plans and we yeah. are here. Uh, first of all, housekeeping this podcast is once again sponsored by Elgato, our season long partners, and making us look professional, sound professional, and we are just unbelievable. Of course, I am in Miami, so slightly different setup for me this week, but it's all very exciting. We have lots to reflect on, and uh, let's get into some three-word race reviews from fans. Taran Glazebrook, overhyped Miami, undelivered. Tim Top 24, oh, so boring. P underscore Gage underscore, kind of exciting sometimes. And Xavier Biancotti, safety car, MVP. Now, I already know Katie's done well with one of her predictions this week, uh, which we, we will go on, uh, go through later. But uh, yeah, lots of hype, of course. Miami, you know, big, big race for Formula One. The first time they've taken on a race as opposed to the circuit paying and doing it that way, which is a lot easier for Formula One. But they've decided Miami, you know, let's the capital of entertainment or something. I don't know. It's a capital of a lot of things uh, I found out this week, but Capital of celebrities. Capital of celebrities, capital of fake water, lots of good (laughs) stuff, really. But yeah, it it wasn't a banger, was it? It wasn't, no, unfortunately. um, Well, we've also been treated to some really sensational races so far this season. So, you know, when one's not going to be as exciting, it's naturally going to kind of stand out as being the worst of the group. Um, But yeah, Miami was quite boring wasn't I think it? I think a boring dull race is definitely a lot better than it used to be because mm. because we we have been spoiled and I'm not trying to um defend it here but there was a fair decent amount of action like like genuinely like old school boring formula 1 races you wouldn't even be able to put a highlights package together to monaco Whereas, basically every yeah every basically year. monaco but yeah uh, but yeah so every so that so there was like decent action and yeah, saved by the safety car. Yeah, I know everyone's like, ah, oh, such a dull race. But we had a pass for the lead, which in itself is obviously something that would add entertainment value. And yet, 2021 in particular, we were absolutely spoiled for drama and controversy. And it's just the problem is Leclerc and Verstappen are just battling far too politely at the moment. It's not. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. Bless you, Tommy. Um, but yeah, that I don't, we'll get on to their will-to-will uh, uh, combat or, or lack of, I guess you could say, uh, a little bit later. Uh, Katie, let's have your three-word race review, please. I'm kicking off today. Right. 
I've gone for chaotic final laps uh, because let's be honest, it was a little bit of a snooze fest for kind of the first two thirds of the race. And then it got exciting when the safety car came out, when Gasly and Norris had their collision because the pack could reshuffle. It rewarded some of the guys that gambled and waited for the safety car. Also meant we could see some battles from those on fresher tires. So it was kind of the saving grace really, because otherwise I feel like it would have just been quite processional and quite parade-like because the drivers were saying that, yeah, there seemed to just be one line and that was it. And if you went slightly over it, then it would punish you. Um, So lots of them didn't really take the gamble. Uh, But yeah, thank the Lord for a safety car because uh, it made a really chaotic couple of final laps. It did. Everyone just seemed to go a bit mental in those last sort of 10 laps or so. Although to be fair, we should have got more racing, but for some reason the safety car stayed out for three years for something very small. And it just seemed like I don't know, the marshals just didn't want to pick up the bits of debris. I don't know what was there in on. the fake pool. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. In the maybe swimming pool with fans. the mermaids. And then we're like, yeah. Oh crap. <laughs> yeah. We should probably pick those up. Oh, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a, a chaotic end to the race. Um, we, we needed it. That's for sure. Thank you, Lando for taking, uh, taking the bullet for us and uh, giving us uh, that chaotic uh, end. But I think the, the, the last few laps kind of showed that there is potential for this track, in my opinion, um, as much as we did have a dull 40 odd laps and it wasn't great. I think that the last, yeah, the last segment really did show that this track isn't as bad as maybe some people are saying. And, you know, if we reflect maybe on Baku's first race, that was an absolute stinker. And then we had two of the craziest races we've ever seen uh, following that. So I'm not, I'm not one to write off, this Miami circuit, I think there's definitely changes that need to be made. And, you know, we, there's there's parts of the circuit that are very Formula E-esque and very tight and twisty and narrow and probably not necessary uh, for good racing. It kind of reminds me of a really bad Barcelona chicane. And we know how bad the, the Barcelona chicane is. So at 14 and 15, I think it is. Yeah, so we, we're there for 10 years. So let's try and fix it. We can't really, <laughs> we can't, we can't say let's get rid of it. Uh, because we've still got nine to go. So, uh, but I, I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion that it's just a rubbish track. I think it is one of those tracks, exactly like you say, that it is for me a Baku where, and we saw it in free practice where there were loads of incidents and everyone was saying, oh my God, this could be absolute carnage. Um, it, it is literally one of those races that could go absolute snooze fest, which is what, it kind of almost was going to be if it wasn't for a safety car. There's a bit of bit of action, but um, certainly a modern day, uh, less exciting one. Uh, and then when we got the safety car, yeah, it did. It made it tense, the excitement. It brought the pack together. And it just shows that Miami is one of those races that I feel like is exactly like Baku, where it will only ever go two ways really with, with that side of things, because the, the nature of the circuit is just, it would be mistakes and absolute carnage and chaos and safety cars, or you're just like a, a procession essentially. Um, but yeah, it did make, it did save the race, the safety car at the end. Uh, and um, yeah, even though there was a bit of overtaking, maybe wasn't loads and obviously at the front, not, nothing actually changed at the front, even though you had Sergio Perez on the mediums, even, you know, he didn't get past. 
um, and Leclerc didn't get past Verstappen. But I think it just added that excitement because it was tense. It made it tense. I mean, as a Verstappen fan, and I'm sure you, Matt, as a Leclerc fan, was the same. I was stood up for the last like 10 laps because I was nervous. Uh, because because you know when when you've got that battle for the lead, even if moves aren't being made, it's the tension of knowing that it could swing. Yeah, and Leclerc looked good on the hard tires uh, towards the end. He was maybe slightly quicker. There was especially on the tire warm up phase. That's that's definitely where the Ferrari is stronger. So speaking of Ferrari, let's do this question at Berryville. Could or should Ferrari have pitted Leclerc or Sainz during the safety car for softs? Now, my understanding of this, and I haven't done a, a, a massive look into the tyres that were left, but as far as I'm aware, they had either used softs or brand new hards to put on that Ferrari. Um, yeah, that's perfect. Which, perfect, there you go, boom. Um, so with that, I think I still think it was worth a gamble with signs, in my opinion, to stick some, the softs on. Definitely not the hards, because we saw how difficult the hards were to, to warm up. Although, saying that, the Ferrari were, was probably one of the best cars in getting that tyre into a good operating window. So, I don't feel like it was, you know, okay, we lose three points if we, you know, if Sainz uh, loses Perez. That, you know, that's what Ferrari can think there is, okay, it's three points. But it could also mean a victory if it works out. So for me, I, I think it was worth the risk. I think it was a bit conservative from Ferrari. Um, yeah, because it was always going to stay line astern, really, especially with signs, probably. So I don't know. I think it was worth the risk, worth the gamble at this stage of the season. Uh, they didn't do it. Uh, signs almost lost out to Perez with Perez going on the mediums. But thankfully for, for signs, Perez had a, a, a 20 brake horsepower deficit. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Very conservative from Ferrari, in my opinion. I wonder if they are being conservative after what happened in Imola, where it's, it's obviously slight, it's different circumstances, but the fact that, you know, they pitted in with the softs and went for this push to try and overtake and it didn't work out. Uh, and Leclerc still got a healthy lead in the championship. Um, and it just shows that, you know, consistency is key, especially if the Red Bull is still very much win or DNF. Um, so he had a 17 second gap to science. So they could have risked it, but I wonder how much in the back of Ferrari's mind is like, we could go for Verstappen, but second is a very good result. And this championship is about picking up the points. Whereas if they did a strategy blunder or miss, messed up the pit stop, but it dropped in way out of contention, they look really silly. Whereas with this, they maybe look just a little bit like, oh, maybe they could have gone for it rather than the chance for it to be an absolute catastrophic strategy failure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying for a second that Leclerc should have pitted um, because if anything, Ferrari got it right with him because there was an opportunity. There was one lap where, where uh, Verstappen went wide, but then Leclerc didn't manage to get through that tight, twisty section in a in a quick enough way because I think it was then it was back to eight tenths and eight tenths wasn't enough for him to use that DRS and make the move into turn 17. But I think it was worth the risk with signs personally. Um, signs is really far back in the championship. I'm surprised he didn't come over the radio just to say, put me on some softs. Let's see what we can do. Worst case is he finished fourth. So I think it was worth it with him. It was definitely a safe choice, but in recent years where Ferrari have also been like memed for their 
weird strategy calls maybe they thought it's better just to secure the points that we <laughs> can get rather than um like tommy says kind of make themselves maybe look like clowns if it doesn't work but um yeah um it's difficult one because like you say you've got the fresh set of hards that's going to take too long to warm up and the softs we've sun seen such quick tire degradation with both ferraris which is something that some other teams don't seem to be suffering as much with so perhaps that gamble onto the used softs would have been too much of a gamble and they didn't want to risk it. Um, and maybe they kind of had a little bit of peace of mind that Prez had been suffering with some issues earlier in the race and thought that maybe they could keep him back if the opportunity arose, which they were able to do, but that was more as a result of the kind of move that Sergio went for that. Oh my goodness. That was so close. Like I honestly was certain they made contact during that pass, but must have been like a whisker between the two of them so um yeah but in the end Ferrari have looked okay they've managed to get um you know two of their guys on the podium so not a bad day's work not a bad day's work indeed um yeah Perez almost made it work and I think Sainz saw him so late like he was turning into the corner and then you're thinking is he gonna okay he just just missed him by by a whisker uh, next question, Robbie 60060887. Do you think Ferrari can pull back the straight line speed deficit to Red Bull? Do you think it's power unit or aero related that the Red Bull have such better straight line speed? Now, my understanding of this is not necessarily that Ferrari have a, a power deficit. It's more the fact that they are just running more aero and clearly that's the philosophy that they're going with with their car that works the best for their setup because you can see every single time in Saudi in this particular race at Miami in sector one Leclerc was two three tenths quicker than than what Verstappen was doing and then of course losing that on the straight so it's just a case of a, of the Ferrari working in certain areas of the track and and the Red Bull being better than others which I personally love to see because that's the kind of stuff where you get great racing and then it's it's really tense and always oh, up these seven tenths behind but then oh Max is pulling out a little bit yeah, I I don't necessarily think Ferrari are thinking, God, our engine's really bad. And I think it's anything like that. I just think they've gone down a different philosophy to what Red Bull have. And and this is the kind of battle we're going to see. Sometimes it will work well for, for, for Ferrari and sometimes it'll work well for Red Bull. It's just as simple as that. Totally. I think Ferrari are very much playing the long game here. You know, Bonotto this weekend said that he has no doubt that in order to keep up the pace, we need to develop ourselves and introduce upgrades. And they also sort of hinted that we may have a package in Barcelona, which will be important for us. But yeah, he has said that Red Bull, they're confident that Red Bull can't continue with these constant upgrades that they're bringing to all the races throughout the rest of the season. So whether they're kind of just splurging on these upgrades for the first few races to kind of get that step ahead and make up for the DNFs that they've had throughout the season so far. Um, it could be that, but yeah, Ferrari just seemed to be and Bonotto seems to be just very chill kind of keeping his cards close to his chest. Um, and I have no doubt that they'll probably bring some snazzy, sexy upgrade to Spain and um, put themselves back in like really challenging rebel. Cause at the moment, Although, you know, they got a one-two in qualifying, so they're not doing too badly, are they? But um, generally, Max um, and the pace of that Red Bull looks so much quicker this weekend um, that, to me, it kind of seemed a bit inevitable that he would take the victory, um, despite his sort of lack of running, which is what ended up happening. But, yeah, I think it will only be a matter of time before Ferrari bring something to that car and put themselves back up right at the front again um, and getting more victories. 
Yeah, the, it is a fascinating battle because of the the difference in philosophy. I don't think, like you say, Matt, for one second, the engine is appalling in the Ferrari. It's just the way they go. And I think even Christian Horner's alluded to it. I think Bernardo might have said the same thing. But it's, it very much felt very Saudi-like, actually, the, the race, because not only did that first sector feel really similar, you had exactly the same effect where Verstappen was good on the straight near the end of the lap. Leclerc was better around that twist because he could actually get very close to to Verstappen in that sector and maybe with a different corner there and not a horrendous track surface you know he could have gone for that move so um I think that I, I wouldn't necessarily say that one car is miles better than the other at the moment I think I think the cars are quite even uh I just think that the Red Bull yeah does have that straight line speed and I saw something that uh, Glenn Freeman wrote for the race, which was that, that it's the Red Bull that you'd want to be in if you're in second place, which is so true because, especially with obviously like Verstappen at the wheel, who always goes for it, um, the straight line speed proved once again, like it was in Saudi, to be the winning strategy. But then you can go back to Melbourne and think Leclerc absolutely wiped the floor with everyone really in that race and looked completely dominant. So it would change. And then you know, looking at the the next race and the one after that is Monaco. So straight line oh, speed no. doesn't straight line speed doesn't matter there, does it? So um, yeah, but it's Monaco Le- and it's Leclerc. So. Yeah, exactly. So if Leclerc keeps out the wall, he could win that one. <laughs> he, Leclerc man. will win the Monaco Grand Prix. Oh shut no! up! No! You are such a disgrace. <laughs> and also, I know that uh, your your newborn Grace was wearing the onesie again, wasn't she? She was. I put. I. I let everyone enjoy the weekend until the race. So obviously Max yeah. had a, it was in the a problem. Until, uh, until it was. He had a problem in on Friday. Made the mistake on Saturday, and I was like, right, it's time to break out the onesie. And then yeah. <laughs> I love she the idea that it's in like a little glass box and it comes out for special occasions and then gets she's put gonna, back. Yeah. She's going to outgrow it soon in Max's season. It's just going <laughs> to... Oh, I can't wait. How long How long till she outgrows it? <laughs> <laughs> Probably another like three races. I'll come over and bring some really high fat baby food so she grows it out of it really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be like, oh, um, let me just check the onesie. Cut it with yeah. scissors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that is that's on Ferrari, and you know, to be honest with you, I'm absolutely sick of seeing Verstappen pass Leclerc for the for the lead <laughs> now. Uh, it's it's happening far too much for for my liking, um, but uh, it is a a fascinating title battle that we've got currently. But uh, yeah, I am hopeful that Ferrari's upgrades will stop the bleeding because it is happening right now. Um, moving on now, away from Ferrari and Red Bull, the underscore James underscore 007. If Gasly couldn't control his car and get out of the way, should he have stopped before becoming a danger to others? So what point did Gasly actually have his problem? How many corners before the crash with Lando? Uh, I'm not so sure, but he said it was due to damage. He crashed with Alonso and it broke his right rear suspension. He went wide at the hairpin and lost a place to another car before Mm. he hit Lando, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. it was one of those things where both of them just, I, I it wasn't, it definitely wasn't Lando's fault, no. but Gasly, he obviously missed, he didn't realise that Gasly would maybe come over a little bit and thought the move was done. I don't know. It was very clumsy, wasn't it really? Um, well, if you actually but, watch it back, like the actual replay, you can see that 
it's, it's like when you play like the F1 game and it's on the wrong steering sensitivity. Like Gasly <laughs> turned, but he didn't get the same front end turn from his car. So in my opinion, looking at that, yeah, he probably should have got out of the way more because of the fact that he couldn't steer his car properly. You could yeah, see that with the corner big. before where he went wide. But if you actually watch the onboard, you can see Gasly tries to get out of the way. He sees Lando coming, but it doesn't steer enough. So... You shouldn't if, be in yeah, the middle I mean, of the track if you know your car's no, a bit dodgy. He, he, I mean, Formula One cars know when their Formula One cars, Formula One drivers know when their car isn't working properly. And I'm sure he knew a few corners before, but was like, I don't want to walk back to the pit lane. I don't, I really don't. I just want to bring it in. <laughs> um, so I think Gasly could have stopped that. Maybe it was about our frustration. Maybe he thought he could try and fix it. Uh, but either way, it, it, it cost Lando nothing because he was at the points but it cost Lando some, some he didn't sound too upset did he it was just like oh no, I'm sorry out. guys yeah I'm off to go to Miami uh just go now probably yeah. a bit miffed that they almost seemed like they were back in that not not quite but would you say Bahrain levels they were right at the back there weren't they um after well, I, that was down to strategy there wasn't it yeah, yeah, yeah they completely Lando. bottled it there didn't they he should have been maybe seventh or eighth but with that pit stop that was that was slow and then came out in a train of four cars, I bet McLaren were like, oh my God, this pit stop is critical and we've ballsed it up. Uh, so that that didn't go well for Lando, unfortunately. I think that, yeah, the pace was all right. Danny Rick was, you know, just a bit off, wasn't he, uh, compared to Lando? But um, yeah, it was uh, certainly a step backwards from, from Imola for, for McLaren. It just seems like they work at some tracks and really don't at others. Uh, and it's... Uh, not good if you're a McLaren fan. It's like rolling a rolling a dice. Uh, next question. Oh, no. I'm going to have to talk about that now. Jess Unicomb. Did Mick Schumacher cost himself his first race points? Absolutely. 100%. Mick, what were you doing? Firstly, I do not know how he got away with no further action for yeeting Sebastian Vettel out of the out of the race. I haven't looked at too many more onboards since I saw it, but the actual incident itself looked like it was very much Mick's fault. He looked very sheepish in the interviews after the race. Um, and of course, doing it to his good pal and mentor, Sebastian Vettel, was something that he probably didn't want to do. On one side, I'm like, fair play, Mick. You were in the points and you still fancied more. On the other side, I'm like, just take the point. Just, just, you, you know, you've not scored a point yet. You don't need to go for the dive bomb. And then to say on the radio, that was my corner. it wasn't like he said that with so little conviction you knew he didn't believe it yeah corner (laughs) (laughs) like almost a question rather than a statement um yeah I mean it was no further action from the stewards and I can kind of see why I think Seb did turn in quite drastically if you compare it to like the other lines I'd seen some of the other drivers take that weekend but Mick also kind of just plonked himself in the way and then they both came together so yeah, unfortunate. And also for Mick, like it's got to that point now where it's a bit like a George Russell points kind of gag because every weekend now people, the media are saying to him, so when are you going to get points? When are you going to get points? And like when that starts to, that cloud sort of starts to hang over you, maybe that's where you think in your head, like I've got to get points. I've got to get them. I've got to get them. And maybe you make more mistakes and all that kind of stuff. But I was so gutted. And especially like you say, for it to be Seb and Mick, like the most wholesome duo mentors, like to Mick. And then they go and do that. I was like, Oh boys, come on, come on. You need a hugging makeup, all this kind of stuff. But They will. They will. I think Seb, Seb knows. It would just be like, don't do that again. 
You know, don't yeah. be silly. Come on. Yeah. I I wasn't in the Imla podcast, um, so I didn't get to expand on my F grade for him in Oh, in yeah. Oh, let me see um, if I can get comfy. But seeing as though he's, he's messed up again, I guess um, I could go into it now. Um, people don't want to say about how sort of maybe embarrassing is too much of a stretch or is it basically if it was Mazepin everyone would be having an absolute field day with it and no one wants to say just how poor Mick Schumacher has been this year like really poor like I don't think I think only Latifi has been worse than Mick Schumacher this year and the fact that Magnussen is not even fit and has done what he's done it's just Oh, it's just painful to watch because he is a really nice guy and, you know, it's great Formula 1 that he's the Schumacher name. But it's just, I don't know, he just gets a bit of a free mm. pass with it and he's, he's been really poor. It is literally the, I, it reminds me of the Gordon Ramsay meme of Latifi crashing, oh, you effing donkey and Mick, oh, oh, oh dear, gorgeous. Um <laughs> because he's been terrible I'm sorry he's been absolutely terrible this year and I worry for his career like if it doesn't improve I know I I just don't know what the excuses are because I know it's like oh well now it's his rookie season because the car's better but I don't know wow Tommy Savage Tommy had some special savage cornflakes for uh <laughs> for this this podcast i um i'm not i mean yes he has been poor for this season but i am happy to lean on the side of positivity uh for mick just purely because he was having a great race and he was on k mag he was ahead of k mag and he, he was matching his teammate for the first time this year so there was definitely steps of improvement for Mick. He did make a costly mistake, which, you know, is, is certainly something that will, will downgrade him. But overall, we've asked for him to be more on the pace of his teammate and he outqualified his teammate. He was as quick, if not a little bit quicker in the race. So I, I think he's taken a step forward. So shut up, Tommy. <laughs> Magnuson had no radio in qualifying, so... Uh, I don't get it. no radio. Or, <laughs> what Radio's does the radio, radio drive for him? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I Good do stuff. agree though. There have been too many moments this this year so far where his driving has not been up to scratch, um, or he's just caused a crash that meant he couldn't even take part in a Grand Prix. So, yes, we need manifesting. Good results for Mick and good points. Maybe Spain, eh? And if not Spain, then maybe Monaco. And then maybe and Azerbaijan. <laughs> <laughs> just keep going through the calendar. Uh, One day, hey? Yeah. I'll just keep predicting that he's going to score a point and eventually, <clears throat> hopefully, it'll come true. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your baggage at the airport without a lock. You think your stuff is kept private, but you never know who's going through your Leclerc fan fictions. When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers or ISPs can see every single website you visit. They can legally sell this information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. 
So why should you use ExpressVPN? Well, you can browse more anonymously. When you use ExpressVPN, ISPs cannot see your online activity. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. It's also easy to use. You fire up the app and click one button. And it also works on all devices, phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. I personally like knowing that my data is protected and that I can surf freely without being concerned that someone will sell my information. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com WTF1 today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com WTF1 and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com WTF1. Uh, Tommy, your three-word race review, please. Mine is Alban, so impressive. And I think we need to chat about Alex Alban because, yeah, he's been amazing. I'm not going to pretend that uh, I was probably wrong about him because we had a lot of discussions at the start that he has to beat Latifi minimum because we know that Latifi is not exactly uh, a great driver despite being goat Tifi. Um, and if anything, he's been just as impressive as Russell really against against Latifi in terms of like absolutely dominating him and scoring points in, I would argue, the worst car on the grid twice now. Um, he's he's been driving absolutely sensational. So fair play to him. I didn't I didn't see for for me he's the the surprise driver of the season in terms of like I wouldn't say he's the driver of the season. Um, because I think, obviously, like, you know, Verstappen and Leclerc <laughs> have been, um, and Leclerc, uh, have been, <laughs> have been obviously standout good drivers, but I know they're, well, I'm not saying I didn't know Albon was a really good driver, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I expected that from them, whereas Albon has really surprised me. And, um, yeah, he's putting himself, uh, he's doing his career that looked over after not even getting the Alpha Tauri drive to fall back on. And um, fair play to him. Fair play to him indeed. It's just, you know, it's almost a carbon copy of Pierre Gasly's resurgence. Like, I know that <laughs> yeah. I know that Albon is in a worse car, so I can't get those same results, but it's literally the same thing. Like, Albon is showing what he showed before he was at Red Bull, which was great drives, great drives in the points and showing that potential that everyone knows he has. I think the difference is, is both for Gasly and Albon that they both weren't ready to be in a title winning car or a race winning car at that stage of their career. Whether they'll be ready again, we don't know because there's a difference in outperforming a car that's not supposed to be in the points and winning or getting a podium in a car every single race weekend when you're expected to. So I'm not as, you know, I'm not surprised that Albon's doing well and, you know, he had to beat Latifi. I think it also shows how bad Latifi is right now and how his confidence is in the toilet. Uh, and it, it, I do feel sad for him. You know, he is very meme worthy and, you know, go Tifi and all that stuff, but um, he can't seem to get out of this rut at the moment. Like in, in, in qualifying, it was actually quite close uh, to, 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 um, to Albon, that was Latifi, but then, you know, in the race, it's just another, it's another story. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool. It's great to see Alban ha have these performances. Of course, he dyed his hair red, didn't need to try and 
manifest some luck and get some points. And he did, of course, with Alonso's penalty, he got promoted up to ninth. And uh, yeah, it's, it was a really, really solid drive. I've certainly been quite critical of Albon in the past. I'm not going to shy away from it, but I think his performances at the end of 2020 when he was at Red Bull were deserving of the criticism that he received because they weren't great. But, you know, listening to him speak yesterday after getting these, well, this is when he thought he finished in 10th. Um, but, you know, he said he's taken this year out of Formula One. It's kind of made him having the step back has made him evaluate what areas he needs to focus on and maybe build up that confidence again. And that's really showing in his results. And yeah, he's putting on these brilliant performances that obviously we're talking about it now, but in some cases I feel do just get so swept under the rug because things, other things in the race are so chaotic or there are other storylines that maybe are getting more attention, like, you know, Lewis at Mercedes or something seems to be a huge talking point at the moment. Uh, but yeah, he's doing such a brilliant job and it's really great to see because he is a lovely lad and he, um, you know, he's come into this position at Williams, almost been given a second chance and it's good to see that he's actually working hard and proving that that was the right choice to, to bring him back and George Russell being the ultimate wingman, sort of pushing him forward for the job. Um, George is maybe thinking, did I make the right decision by going to Mercedes anyway? But of course, like he's now what done every single race and reached the top five. So I'm sure George isn't too upset about it. But um, yeah, like I'm just really happy to have these good news stories in Formula One. Absolutely. Uh, question from Isolation Gamer One. I asked this last week, but after this week's results, is Albon back in contention for a Red Bull spot or at least a seat at Alpha Tauri? He's having a Pierre Gasly re re renaissance right now. I'm about to sneeze. Uh, yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> I figured, I figured that out ever. just with a. I, 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 I stopped the sneeze. I stopped the sneeze. No, it's not. That's not my sneeze. Um, oh, I don't want to talk about him going back to the Red Bull family, even though he's technically still part of him. Whatever. I think that it would be good if he went to Alpha Tauri, but don't touch that Red Bull seat with a barge pole. Uh, that is a career killer going up against Max Verstappen. We've already seen that. Unless Max decides that Red Bull's terrible and he moves on, Albon needs to go to a team that he can lead and feel confident and shine, just like Gasly at Alpha Tauri right now. Maybe if Gasly and Albon were together, they would be a force to be reckoned with, and that would be an awesome thing to see. Um, Sorry, Sonoda, and sorry, Tommy. Um, but for Albon's career, I don't. I just don't think the pressure cooker of that Red Bull seat is something that he or Gasly really deep down need or should take uh, if it ever comes up. Um, we saw what it did to them. You saw the interviews after they were having difficult races. It was tough for both of them. Do they want to go back through that again? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think we should try and start shipping this album back to Red Bull seat thing because the Red Bull team are, are sorted right now. Perez is great. He's right up to speed now. Let's talk about other seats for, for Albon. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, Sergio's been absolutely the perfect number two driver at Red Bull that he's doing exactly what they want from him, getting the results that no one else did. And it showed that, you know, he's a driver that didn't need as much nurturing. Uh, and especially this year, he's been fantastic. So Gasly had his 
you know, being dropped and, oh my God, he's actually really good. And now Albin's back in a non-Red Bull C against match happen. It's like, oh my God, he's really good. Um, so yeah, it would be silly to go back. Uh, I don't know. G- Gasly, though, still really wants that seat and I'm sure Albin would probably... It, it is a difficult thing to... Um, to say no to. To yeah. say no to because at the end of the day, if you're a Formula One driver and you're seeing the championship-winning car, mm. uh, a seat going off, and you're like, no, I want to stay in a Williams because it's better for me, and uh, I don't want to be beaten by Max Stappen. I mean, it's, it's easier said than done, but uh, Albon has... It's good for his career. It's same with Gasly. You know, After Gasly won in Monza and had, had the amazing couple of last seasons that he's had, there is opportunity at other teams, if it comes up, that people will think about Gasly in that mix and that the same will happen to Albon. So he has saved his career somewhat. I didn't, I definitely didn't expect him to come back to Williams. That was a surprise move until those rumors started coming out for me. Uh, I thought, I didn't know if we'd see him back in formula one, um, but he has saved his formula one seat and it just shows that you never know opportunities in the future. Look at Carlos Sainz, even, even Prez himself, like, in that Red Bull after it looked like his career was over. Um, never say never. So we could see Albon uh, in a top car in the future. You never know. But yeah, not Red Bull <laughs> against the no. staff at least. No, I mean, even with Perez, you know, if you put him in that Red Bull seat against Max Verstappen, say Perez was younger and we could sort of somehow flip time. Like, I think, you know, put Perez against Verstappen, during his third year, fourth year in F1. And it would probably be the same kind of thing that we had seen with Gasly, with Albon, that kind of thing. I think the reason Prez is so promising in that Red Bull seat is because he's been in F1 a long time. He's older, he's mature, he's got that experience. And I think that's why the relationship is working so well. Whereas Red Bull were just so keen to have all this new, exciting, promising talent, you know, show that they promote their talent. But the reality is, I think they just promoted them too soon. And yeah, I think keep Alex where he is for now. Keep him out of uh, your thoughts for Red Bull and Alpha Tauri for the moment, because I think this is a problem. As soon as somebody shows a glimmer of promise, they're just thrown into a role that they're maybe not ready for. And in most cases, their careers do just kind of crumble as a result of it. There are obviously exceptions. Look at Max and Charles. They've done pretty well being sort of thrown in the deep end. But for some drivers, they just need to settle, get the confidence up, you know, learn from others around them. This is another thing. Like, as much as we love the drivers, they've all got such big egos on them that they think, well, I am number one and I could go against Verstappen and do it. And then they actually get put there and they're like, oh, no, this is actually quite tough. (laughs) I don't know if I can do it anymore. And then they get dropped. So, you know, maybe they need to put their egos in check and just think, actually, no, I'm in a comfortable place right now. I'm doing well. I'm scoring points. I'm dragging this car where it's not supposed to be and I'm getting praise for it. And for the moment, I'm going to settle for this rather than thinking I want to be world champion next year and I will not deal with anything else. Like that is the one target. Um, and then just end up spiraling downwards. But yeah. anyway, that's a nice Kate positive. Is, <laughs> Kate is positive full topic. of voices today. There was about four different yeah. F1 driver voices in there, I think, which is uh, quite entertaining. It's quite funny you say about Perez because that's literally what happened in his career when he went to McLaren. He went mm. very early. He got dropped and 
so it happens like even to Perez who now has shown that he is a decent number two and he needed a year at Red Bull and yeah I was critical of him but I can fully and confidently say now he is delivering 110% of what is expected of him now in that Red Bull number two seat and it shows that Red Bull sometimes with the right drivers need to give them some time to to really get up to speed and to to get uh, suited and, and comfortable with uh, with the team. So uh, it's great to see Perez um, delivering uh, and giving us a great battle between two teams at the moment. Will Mercedes join them? Who knows? Uh, but uh, we definitely didn't make a podcast about Mercedes <laughs> winning the uh, Miami GP. Incredible jinx. It was just me re- re-reversing the jinx back. There you go. Yeah, it's all, it's, anytime we're wrong, yeah, we're jinxing. We're jinxing. <laughs> uh, right, now my three-word race review. And it's wake up, F1. Just wake up. Of course, I am alluding. <sighs> I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Again. The F1 mm. TV direction. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't want to be horrible because I know how difficult that is as a broadcast production. But the thing is, they've done it well many times. So why is it going downhill now? That's more the question because... There were there was so much going on after that safety car. The one thing that killed me, and I was literally shouting at the screen, was when they went to an I don't know what lap this was, but they went to an aerial camera shot, and I kid you not, about seven different people changed position in the midfield, and I'm pretty sure like Hamilton was battling Russell. You had the the crashes going on, but and we were watching an aerial shot of like third and fourth, and I was like. Okay, I, fair enough. If you missed Hamilton and Russell because you were showing Magnus and the Mick Schumacher battling, we weren't showing any of it. And then like, the commentators didn't have a clue what was going on. And I'm also convinced, I don't know if it's because I was watching in America and we get some sort of weird different feed. I am convinced that Crofty and Brundle were watching a different mm. race. Mm-hmm. At one point, they were chatting so casually as I think it was. Oh, it was the, Mag- the it would, no, they did this during the Verstappen move for the lead where I cannot believe they didn't interrupt Ted talking about 14th yeah, yeah, place. Ted was talking. And I'm like, about 14th place. And I'm it, like, you can happening. see Verstappen is about to make the move for the lead of the Grand Prix. This yeah. is the most exciting bit and probably will be the most exciting bit of the Grand Prix. And they were like, if there was ever a time for a two seconds, Ted, that was it. But no, let, let him carry on talking for, about a move for 14th or something. I know, and I was like, I love Ted. I love Ted to bits. But I was like, shut <laughs> up, Ted. It was, it, was as, it was almost as badly placed as when Hamilton was having a run on Verstappen and we had the Toto Wolf team radio playing. And we're like, this is happening in the 2021 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. But either way, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what went on. There were some cool camera angles. I won't get, I, you know, I, I did like some of the flyovers that they had. Um, I'm just trying to make some positivity of it. But uh, yeah, and and the crowd shots, and the crowd shots, and the crowd yeah. shots. They've 100% the had conversations about more crowd shots. And I get it. Like, you need to fill a quota of qu- cra- qu- crowd shots. <laughs> Why do you have to do it when Leclerc looked like he was about to make a move for the lead? They were like, show the person. And there was actually a moment, I don't know if you picked up on this, uh, at the end of the race where the camera was in front of the like a couple of fans and they went, are we on? <laughs> and like, no way. Really? Yeah. 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 Oh, so the, like, it was, no. it was genuinely like, right. Oh, no. okay, three, two, what? And it's that sort of stuff that 
I'm not here for. Like, I'm here for genuine crowd reactions, which there are many of. We don't need to make it, you know, or turn it up to 10 like we did in, was it Bahrain, where we had like, it felt like it was very forced crowd shots. And maybe it was just a, a, you know, a microphone shoved in someone's face and then it was turned up. Either way, I, there are. It just seems like it's going it's fake cheering and backwards. stuff. Is, yeah, it really it does. It's a shame. Yeah, it is frustrating. I mean, watching Tommy throughout all of that looks like he was having some sort of existential crisis. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it is. It is getting frustrating, especially the one shot that really gets on my nerves is where you've got maybe it's like the start finish straight and you can see that there's maybe a potential overtake about to happen and you've got like two thirds of the the shot is filled with people's hands being like and you just think oh my god I can't see what's going on there's got to be a thousand different angles that are better than this and on board like I don't care but yeah it's as if somebody like a big f1 boss has gone we need more crowd shots or there's another voice um but it's just getting silly now and yeah there was um I forget who it was showing the battle for but it had a cool aerial shot and then it kind of just zoomed out and it just was focused on some trees. And I was like, guys, um, we've got quite an interesting bit of action going on on the track here. But yeah, I can I have some sympathy because it is a new circuit. And so you got to get yourself queued up and know, you know, this camera shows this and this and that. And there must be thousands of cameras scattered around the place. So I can have some sympathy in that sense. But yeah, it's just it was a bit much. And I- I don't, I don't have sympathy. It's, uh, you don't. It's just, no. it's, it's awful. Honestly, um, I, I just watched, I watched the race okay. back. I've just watched the race back, right? It was absolutely appalling. Like it was even worse watching it the second time. Um, I am absolutely, I was, I was raging the second time and it wasn't even live and I knew what happened. So the, the things that, the things that got, got me, I was actually, because I wanted to watch and see if I remembered if it was this bad. Um, and so when Verstappen passed Leclerc the first time, they, I think we said this in Saudi, right? It's almost a lack of Formula One knowledge from the broadcaster where they don't realize where things are going to happen. So when Verstappen got Leclerc the first time, right, this is before the safety car, you know, the very first time, they cut a really long shot to... Um, Horner, who wasn't reacting in any way. It's just kind of like, yeah, cool. Then one of Bonotto, who again, wasn't reacting. So really boring shots. And then a replay of the incident. And that is the sector where Leclerc is really good. So he was always going to get a run into the, um, the beach bit. You know, he was all... He, Charles Leclerc kept getting a run on Max Verstappen. He obviously didn't make the move stick and couldn't get the move, but he had the odd faint attempt at passing so there was that one then when we got the safety car they this was the most infuriating one of the whole lot uh Leclerc got a run on Verstappen on that DRS zone and as soon as it got to the braking zone they cut to a group of Red Bull fans before anything had happened and they missed the braking zone (laughs) cut back and they'd missed it and then again they did it later on and they missed it again because they were showing, um, I think it was a replay in that breaking zone. Every Formula One fans know, every Formula One fan knows that that is the corner where Leclerc is going to make the move if it happens. And he's mm-hmm. going to be close. And the, 
we know that the Ferrari is good in that sector and that's where it's going to be. And every time they missed it because they were showing something else. And it, it really does feel like they just lack Formula One knowledge when it comes to the broadcasting and it's getting worse and worse. Like this was worse than Saudi. And I thought Saudi was an absolute joke. Would you just release that video of why was the blank and you just dub Saudi Arabia, Miami, just over the top of like every wow. word because it's just the same happening again and again. And F1 is getting so good now. We're having these battles for the lead and it is just ruining it. You're ruining it. Ruining it. <laughs> I love Honestly, Atomic Rant. Oh, I do. It it, it really does so revitalize me after a, yeah. after a long week <laughs> hearing Tommy rant. Um, I, I yeah, going back to my not having sympathy. I think it's the fact that <clears throat> I know it's a new track and maybe figuring out camera angles, whatever. They can't practice having twenty F one cars on the, on a track until it actually happens. But they have the onboards. They have things they can go to as a safe. Okay, we don't really know what's going on. Just cut to Leclerc. He's half a second back. That 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 should be like a staple thing because I don't think they utilize onboards enough. Onboards are freaking cool. And yet a lot of the stuff we do is off-board and fancy camera shots and showing the fans. And and I know they're trying to also show that, oh, it's really cool to come to a Formula One Grand Prix, but there are times to do that. You can show a replay of fans looking at the start or whatever. It still does exactly the same thing. Mm. But there needs to be more of a rigid. And I saw people on Twitter saying like, oh, you know, there should be like an automated system when it's under six tenths or half a second. It cuts straight to the, the leaders. It'll Doesn't be matter. chaos. <laughs> like imagine that like Crawford, like, oh God. But it almost needs that so that we don't miss anything. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's tough because, you know, people might be thinking, oh, why are you getting so angsty about it? Why are you getting so you know annoyed? But the whole spectacle, the whole story, the whole entertainment, is shaped by the broadcast. The yeah. broadcast, a- an amazing race broadcast badly is a bad race. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, so, if, if you think of some really exciting moments in Formula One, like it's not the same when it's not live. I'm showing a replay of it. So you it's want only it to live be... once. Well, <laughs> yeah, show it then. Exactly. Yeah, you. you... Sky Sports are like it's not our fault. <laughs> I know the bit. Us. I know the bit you were talking about as well because I noticed that where the amount of times in that race that you could watch the timing tower, they'd be at, like, say, on an aerial shot or showing the crowd or showing the clouds. Um, and you could see, like, oh, um, something's going on here with Mick Schumacher. He's only 0.1 behind. You can see it on the timing tower. And the amount of times you had to watch the timing tower switch, tumble like someone tumble down the order, yeah. switch back. And that's fine if we're seeing the battle for the lead, but they weren't. They weren't showing that. It was honestly fuming. And I can I can hear Grace crying. She's annoyed about it as well. Yeah, she's <laughs> absolutely raging. And also, like the if they can't cut from their the main feed, why are we not using the small box thing more? Yeah. You know, the thing that like can just come up automatically. And maybe that's the thing they could do where it's within one tenth or two tenths and they just stick the like it just comes up. I don't know. You know, I'm not a programming, broadcasting technical man, but there are certainly things that can be done to to take a step forward. So yeah, there you go. There's our rant. Sorry, <laughs> people that work in F1. Rant we we do day. love you, but we just want it to be better. Um, Alex underscore G underscore Warero. Is the broadcast hurting the product with so many replays of the race start and midfield battles? Could F1 TV become a more intriguing option? F1 TV, unfortunately, if you're from the UK, you can't actually watch it. Um, but we, I think it was 
So a couple of years ago, there was a, an amazing clip that came out of Alex Jakes uh, commentating uh, yeah, Abu Dhabi, and there was two different battles going on, and he was commentating both of them, and it was absolutely possible. So like commentators can do that. They can process that amount of information, whether it's because F1 want to keep that very much their product, and that's what we bring is the multiple camera angles. I don't know. I'm sure there are lots of uh, small print and reasons for why we don't get more of that. But F1 TV is great. Don't get me wrong. Like, it is really good uh, if you can access it. Uh, and it gives you all the information that you need um, and not so many replays. It's all kind of raw and you can choose what you want. And, and that's kind of I know you can't have that level of option when you're watching just a normal t- you know, channel. You get more of a picture that way. So, but we keep saying it, but they never change it and they never move forward with actually mm. providing us with more, more maybe, entertainment through, through extra angles and stuff, uh, extra cameras. And maybe it's deliberate. Maybe it's just they're sabotaging their own broadcast just so everyone bails and go, fine, I'll buy F1 TV for the split <laughs> screen. But then we can't, but then we can't watch it. So, I don't know. To be fair, that's such that's such an interesting uh, point, actually, because of course Sky and all these big t- channel providers pay for the rights, and they don't F1 have it. They can't do, do the anything. Broadcast. Yeah, they do the broadcast. So because I see a lot of people do... complaining about Sky, going, "Oh, for God's sake, Sky, why are you doing this?" And it's not them. So it's F1 doing yeah. it, and just that's their the product plan. is better. It is. It is the F1 TV master plan, just sabotaging themselves from the inside. hundred so IQ. Sky, get, Sky, just go. I'm oh. sick of this. Fine, you can have it on F1 TV. <laughs> literally but yeah not much more to add apart from yes yeah, <laughs> just sort it out <laughs> yeah that was a good rant uh, Munford 1999 what can they do to improve racing on this circuit there seemed to be very little overtaking opportunities and the race was pretty dull for most of it what can they do to improve it um, get rid of the Mickey Mouse section it turns 14 to 16 get rid of that stupid chicane make the track surface a bit smoother I did like the fact that they could make mistakes through there but it, it's just not it's not something that actually provides better racing it, prov- it, prov- it could provide a red flag it could provide someone making a mistake but it just with the new cars it is definitely better but that part of the section of the track for me is I'm not a fan of um Obviously, the track surface is mm. not great. No, uh, as <laughs> it's well. A uh, it's amazing they've done like seventy-five variations of this, or something, and or thirty-five simulated, or something like that. And they still, <laughs> they were like, "Oh yeah, the track surface. Oh, yeah, we should probably get something a bit grippier." Uh, they clearly didn't simulate many different uh, ways of doing the actual track surface, but there are definitely things to change. You have to remember this is a car park that they've put it in, and. This is all gone next week. Like they're lifting the whole thing out. It doesn't stay. It's all temporary. So, so maybe next time they yeah, plonk it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe. It's not like there's going to be a carbon copy. Uh, they will do something different. Um, but yeah, there, there is definitely tweaks that need to be made. For sure. I really dislike the way that it flows. I think it's, I mentioned it on the podcast I did with Tommy earlier in the week. It's so like stop, start, stop, start. There doesn't seem to be any kind of rhythm to it. It's very much like, go fast and then go ridiculously slow when it's too like bitty and I just I don't like it um and the track surface too you know they've bought a new kind of surface in there which has got a lot more limestone in it which was apparently meant to make it more grippy but the drivers all hate it and then the track was breaking up before we even had racing on it so like don't use that again please I really don't want to see that kind of track surface ever um but 
yeah, drivers are kind of split on it. Kevin Magnussen said it's better than I thought it would be, which is kind of the most positive (laughs) review that I could find of it. Um, We also had Latifi saying, I'm not a fan of the flow of it, but at the same time, I thought it was going to create a nice show for the fans, but you know, it didn't. So that's a shame. And Bottas was saying, you know, there's still only one racing line, but like you said, Matt, this is, it looks almost like a permanent facility, but it's actually temporary kind of being called like a hybrid circuit. Um, and although, you know, the idea of it all being ripped up again for it to become a car park again doesn't scream sustainable and great for the environment, um, there is still potential, I guess, for next year. Um, hopefully they kind of do like the Australian Grand Prix did get some feedback from the drivers. I think that's so crucial. The drivers know what they want. Mind you, even when they know what they want, like tech pro barriers, they don't get listened to. So maybe it's just wasted breath. I don't know. But um hopefully next year because we're not going we're not going to leave this area this Miami's on the calendar for another nine years at least um that they can make some modifications and create something that fits the potential that we all know it can have I don't I don't get the (laughs) I don't get F1 um (laughs) what how you can have like you say like this car park and you basically could do whatever you want and then they still get it wrong with these circuits um, it was so predictable that that chicane was going to make it difficult to follow. Um, we've seen it in Barcelona. We've seen it on other tracks. You know, looking at that track, this isn't even hindsight. I thought it straight away that the long, the long straight where Leclerc was good uh, to actually, um, you know, the the first sector, and then there was that long straight that Leclerc almost made his moves in. But then that braking zone, it wasn't really enough. Um, and you went into that kind of Sochi-like round corner. Um, so that didn't help things. And then even though the cars are a lot better, that clumsy chicane before the big straight just meant that the car in front could get on the power a lot better. So by the time they'd stretched out, the other car couldn't get close enough. But it almost, I hope they can fix it because this is all irrelevant if it's still a problem offline. Because, because it's not a racetrack, it could never rubber in properly and have um, you know, loads of offline stuff. And that's what concerns me about these new circuits, if it ends up being... Because I, I don't think I've ever seen a circuit that bad from what I remember, where it felt like a wet race, where you saw cars losing like six seconds by just putting half a wheel off the racing line. And no wonder... No wonder that there wasn't as much overtaking. And the overtakings that happened, I don't think it's a coincidence that Mick tried to move, smashed into Vettel. Alonso made a move, smashed into Gasly. Um, uh, Perez made a move and couldn't get past, even though he was on much better tires. Um, you just can't break offline. Um, and that's Unless you ask Verstappen. Yeah, but I guess that saying doesn't. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it is an interesting one. There, you know, it's, there's learnings. I hope that next year, that's when they need to show some improvements with you know all the things that they've seen this year. It's, I, you have to be understanding to a degree that they're not going to get it all right straight away on a brand new track. I can get that, especially how they've built it around a stadium. Um, it'd be cool if it went through us through the stadium. That would be that would be quite something. Uh, imagine that with like however many fans you can fit in the Hard Rock Stadium. 
uh, all it sat just there depends it. yeah it depends if it's like mexico there where you have another barcelona chicane and then it makes it even worse yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah true. maybe they could yeah. just fly yeah. through no, it, straight through it yeah, yeah but, <laughs> then, but then it'd be a really poor experience because just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah chicanes are there just so people see them for a bit longer uh, right next question Team WTF1 member, Fad Dud, could there be closer racing with adjustments to the DRS zones? For example, making the DRS zone between turns 16 and 17 start earlier on the straight. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, it, I don't think DRS was particularly the problem uh, from what I saw. It was the fact we had a massive field spread, which I don't, well, you know, it's maybe a little bit to do with the track and, and, and whatnot, but we just saw a massive field spread and then we're not going to get any good racing if everybody's three, four seconds behind each other. So I don't think the DRS necessarily was, was a big problem. It was weird how some moments people flew past uh, using DRS and it was so easy. And then other times it wasn't possible at all. So it, with that as a, as a case study, you would say it's probably about right. Cause we've got a bit of both. So um, it seemed as though it was really easy when the driver behind had fresh tires, like for example, on George Russell and on Lewis Hamilton. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say the DRS is a massive problem. I think three is definitely right for that track. Uh, and yeah, I think there's, there's definitely other areas to focus on more than, than changing the DRS. Sorry, oh, I was uh, muted. Um, yes, right. No, you're doing something else. It's fine. <laughs> no, no I was actually, uh, well, it's a, it's a surprise later. Um, the, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those I'm things where enough. it could, the DRS zone actually made the racing between Leclerc and Verstappen, maybe you could say better, because it wasn't like a slam dunk move on the straight. Uh, DRS is always one of those things where some fans will think it's not good enough. It, same with Imola, with the, the DRS happening and not. Um, whereas with this one, yeah, going going down the main straight, if they'd put it way far back and everyone just breezed past we'd all be ma- we love a moan don't we it would uh it everyone would just complain that it, it was a bit of a slam <laughs> slam dunk pass so it's it's all about finding a balance and it's difficult because you you never know what you know how well that's going to go so yeah i wasn't like i didn't come away from that race being absolutely outraged by the use of drs and where it was located and i don't think many of the drivers um, cared too much. I've just done a quick scan of quotes um, from drivers throughout the weekend, and there wasn't—I didn't find anyone that was sort of having a little rant about the DRS. So I think it's—it was fine. And like Matt said, there are so many other areas which I think maybe need more focus and uh, more attention rather than the use of DRS. But also, like Tommy said as well, you know, DRS is either it's too difficult, it's pointless, like it needs to be changed or, well, now it's too easy and it's just making overtaking become so like everyone's just overtaking everyone and it, it, there's no real kind of emphasis behind the uh, power of the overtake. So, yeah, I think I'm not really, I haven't got much of an opinion on it, to be honest. No opinion. Uh, next question at DD underscore NG 2108. Has there ever been a more entertaining grid walk? No, no. M- Martin wow. Brundle put on his sassy trousers and, and sassy shirt. And fair. a fancy and, shirt. He was. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he went in uh, on that grid walk. And look, that's exactly what we expected was Martin Brundle just went full sarcasm. He knew exactly what this was. And he knew there's going to be ridiculous celebrities. I mean, there were so many standout moments. Like, is it Pharrell saying that he was with his 
brother Richard Mill about or two or three times, even though he was asked. Um, He's been paid by the word. Clearly. Who who was who he was supporting? Uh, you then had that social media sensation. Oh my god, uh, that was so funny and, then, <laughs> and modest. And then too. Brenda was like modest too, which was <laughs> which was fantastic. You, you had the number one NBA draft pick or something. I don't know anything about NBA or NFL. One or the other. I, I don't know which one it was. Um, and he was tall though. He's six foot ten. I looked it up afterwards because I was like, he, he is a giant. Yeah, He's six very foot tall. ten. Uh, so then he started. Yeah, he started speaking to the wrong person. Then then said to him, "I'm sorry, I thought you were someone else." Uh, it, it just DJ it, Khaled, another yeah. one. Another oh, one. his his yeah, <laughs> DJ Khaled's a moment where he went on this like poetic uh, thing. Yeah, it was mad, wasn't it? The whole thing that was, was just chaos, but that's exactly what we want. And you know, I, I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was the best part of the weekend by a country mile. And uh, Martin Brundle is an icon and. I will not hear any slander towards Martin Brundle. No, well, I've just seen, actually, he did a tweet. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's actually quite sad. He said, there's a reason why I've never watched back an F1 grid walk in a quarter of a century doing them. You have no idea how much I dislike doing them, but somehow those crazy moments have defined my professional career. And then a thinking emoji. Oh, well, that's the way it is. And then I've also realised that he's, Oh, I don't know how long this could have been here for ages, but his Twitter bio is I can because I did. <laughs> yeah, I see. I saw that. <laughs> what a legend. But yeah, oh, I do feel bad because, yeah, lots of people like talk about Martin Brundle. I mean, after he had his chat with Megan the Stallion, he ended up in bloody TMZ, which is like the top gossip rag paper in America. Um which is just crazy. And so many people know him as now like this entertainer because he does these grid walks and his, you know, F1 career is just a thing of the past. It's like a whole nother life to some people that um, he had. But I do feel for him because, I mean, Tommy, you said yesterday you had no idea who half these celebrities are and you're probably like, what? I would say half the age <laughs> of Martin Brundle. I knew more. I knew, I think I knew more than I expected, but mm. there, there were a few. And I think as well, like there were quite a lot of American sports stars that yeah. other and than Tom Brady. Ears as well saying <laughs> that's John Smith. So he goes over and like he's just going off what's on his ear. The basketball player was, was so funny. That he, just, he was shouting was like, his name. I'm... It's like no wonder he didn't turn around. You were saying yeah. the wrong name. It's so funny. I feel like Brundle was being deliberately or like he'd he'd do the interviews with the F1 drivers and just make it look really professional and good and then when you go to the celebrities it'd almost be really sarcastic and just make it embarrassing like I think it was when was it Venus Williams was talking yeah. and he just left the mic on her too long and then she was like oh sorry was I still and it just got, it just got really awkward and it was just now like, that was awful that was so, I almost died yeah I, I, I really was... did <laughs> he, just didn't he knew what he was doing he was just basically like trying but it was hilarious and he's a legend did he get the, the Williams sisters confused at one point as well? That's what one of my friends text me saying. He's like, <laughs> oh, I think you got them confused. But it was just, it was cringe, but in a way in which it was like, I can't get enough of this. And uh, I, I didn't yeah. want the, the, the grid walk to ever end. Uh, so yeah, good stuff, Martin. Well done. You are not defined by it, but it certainly is something that brings us a lot of joy. Next question, Logan S, a.k.a. Slackman. I don't know why that whole full thing is. Are we doing as known as now, Tommy? I don't know how come that was in there. Yeah, but anyway. Put, I think that is genuinely his... Oh, no, wait. Why would that be in... Maybe it's a team to a different person. Sorry. 
Okay, either way, with this being the first event F1 has put on themselves, do we reckon if this is successful that we might see more races being funded by F1? And if so, would it be more profitable to hire circuits and do everything else yourself in the long run, perhaps? I think their business model is 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 good in the sense that, like, obviously they have a lot of circuits that bid to be part of the calendar, and then they have this, you know, this baseline of money that they can always rely on. I think there is def. I I wouldn't be surprised if we had five races in America come, I don't know, twenty thirty or even sooner than that. To be honest with you, because it they're going to see this and go, okay, well this this worked. Um, but the problem is with that, and the problem with F one putting it on. I don't know if it's just Miami, but my experience out here has been, uh, it's so expensive. Everything is so expensive. Uh, so they can't ever say like, oh, we're making it more accessible for fans because. I mean, fair enough, at the actual track, when you're there and you're inside the gates, it is probably the best fan experience you can get. Like the general admission is at some of the points that you can watch the Formula One cars with GA is really, really good. But the problem is it's $6 for a bottle of water. So, you know, and it's 30 Have they got like taps heat. that you can fill it up or do you have to buy a bottle of yeah, water every time? Yeah, so you, you can get a $6 bottle of water, which is like a metallic type thing. And then you can queue for about 30 minutes for a refilling station. Yeah. But then at that point, you've died, you know, like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's not yeah. the easiest thing to do. Um, but yeah, just this whole thing, it's just so expensive. So you really have to like save up and have this as a special trip rather than, oh, I'm going to go to the F1. Um, so I don't know how much of it is F1 pumping the prices to try and make that, that money back that they've spent on the Grand Prix. I don't know, but it's, uh, it's definitely something I see for F1 trying to do more of in America because there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of people, uh, and even like the pop-up stores, I thought that part was great. You know, there's, there's, there's places in South beach where you had like a Williams pop-up store. There's a Pirelli pop-up store. You had a Mercedes one. I think there was a Red Bull one as well. So these things are great because fans can just walk in. Oh, it's a Formula One car. That's awesome. You can buy some merch if you want for a particular team. Uh, and that sort of stuff's great. But then on the flip side, actually going to watch it is a, is a whole other story. So, uh, but yeah, I think F1 will can maybe do a few more in big landmark locations, especially in the US in the coming years. Yeah, it's crazy how expensive some things were because I saw a lot on Twitter, actually. Um, I'm sure a few people saw it. One of them was a Mercedes cap uh, that was $40 online and they were charging $110 in a market store. Uh, and then my favorite one I saw was um, some foam earplugs, which I remember way back when getting those given out for free at Silverstone. And they were $40 for some fo the foam ones, the foam ones. Shut up. Yeah, they were in an F1 plastic case oh th that's worth 40 dollars yeah but they were they were 40 dollars so yeah and they're definitely Jeez. trying to get their money back there but i do see it happening that might be the way that f1's going with these like funding the races themselves we've just recently heard that they've paid is it 240 million dollars for a space in las vegas to put the pits which f1 have paid for themselves so they really you know they're happy to put their money in um, and then happy to make it back with $40 earplugs. I, I can see why, um, you know, there is the attraction of Miami. It's been 
really talked about event lots of people that are in the paddock have been saying you know if they're based in LA or whatever that oh I can hear people on the street talking about F1 in Miami and like I've never had that before in my whole life and everybody's so hyped around it and it you know it's going to be putting the F1 in a lot of people's minds and in conversations and so that can only be good um, and, you know, in terms of price, we've got Monaco. I know that's more historic and all that kind of stuff, but that's also an expensive event, isn't it? So I can kind of see, you know, it's not like Miami, it's just a one exclusion to it. But the thing that, you know, we talk about all this money that F1 is throwing at it, and this isn't coming from just like being a biased to European side of things, but it really pisses me off that f1 can do this and then yet they still haven't offered any kind of financial refund for those at spa like how you can splash all of that money on fake harbors and getting these massive yachts and have all these celebrities there and clearly it's cost them probably hundreds of millions and that's probably for only this year and I think it's a 10-year thing and yet they can't dig into their pockets to give fans that had to sit in the pouring rain for hours and hours and hours on end not knowing what's going on anything like that no updates having to sort of slide around on poor car parks or general admission seating um I imagine if I was somebody that went to spa last year and then saw all this money that's being splashed around in Miami I would be furious but I hope that they can figure something out because otherwise you might appeal to some brand new fans that maybe have come in through drive to survive or maybe even like later than that, or you maybe have been a real casual fan for like last 10 years, but now it's in Miami, you're interested. I'm not trying to say like every one day was a drive to survive fan before people come for me, but you know, normally the people that sort of attend spa are those fans that have been watching f1 for 30 years and they're really like hardcore long-term fans and if you're going to suddenly start throwing cash at people that have got you know an attention span of five minutes like a celebrity who never has cared about f1 but will happily go for a jolly to miami to see some cars on track and you're not actually going to take care of those that have been investing in your sport paying their licenses to watch it paying for merchandise going to races for decades then f1 really need to have a look at themselves but that's my rant for the day (laughs) and uh katie rant um (laughs) but yeah that's my take on it yeah uh, the problem is f1 are saved and secured by contracts that they make with the circuits you know if anything with that particular binding contract it was down to spa to do Mm. that and they couldn't afford to do that because they would literally be out of business because uh of course they paid for the hosting and then they get their money back through selling the tickets and yeah f1 have never done anything goodwill like that really have they so not that i can think of um and that's just the way they are uh and it is unfortunate um, I don't know about other sports and whether the the big corporations have done things like that to help. I know probably stadiums, football stadiums and stuff like that have definitely done stuff for football fans for sure. Um, but yeah, Formula One. Yeah, it, it is. It is really quite tough to see that sort of stuff happening. And I wasn't even in Spa. Uh, so if you are listening and you were there, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It really is. Um, moving on now to... Another question. Team WTF1 member Lucy. Where TF was Italian Jesus walking on water? Uh, I, I mean, come on. We, we've, we have teed that up. I mean, you two chatting about it on the podcast. You've thrown up this ball. You've given the bat to Ferrari and you've gone, hit it. You're going to hit a home run. There was no home run. The swing was not made. And Antonio was even out there 
in Miami. He replied to he had, our yeah. Instagram post. Yeah. All he Same had to do in was go stand on a fake piece of water. <laughs> Take a picture. Someone hold a camera. Break the internet. It would have been hilarious. Maybe he doesn't want to embrace the Italian Jesus, but then again, he replied to our Insta and said it'd be yeah. there. So I don't sad. get it. Unless he's waiting for like all the hype of Miami to die down and then share it. I think we should DM him on Instagram and be like, honey, what are you playing at? Are you going to drop a photo or are you that's, just gonna... That's exactly what I'm going to say to him, actually. Honey, honey yeah. what are you playing <laughs> Honey, what are you playing at? Or, or maybe I'll do From a... From the WTF1 account. Baby. <laughs> like, baby. Check, oh, we're like Joe <laughs> uh, But, I mean, come on. We literally keep it up perfectly yeah. and you know Giovinazzi bless him he's having a tough time in Formula E he he needs some love he needs he some needs attention some and he does he needs to become oh, I was gonna say become more relevant but that's a bit mean oh, um but God, you can't that's that. probably why he's not done it <laughs> yeah he's probably like I listened to your podcast and now I'm not doing bitch. it no, I'm not um, <laughs> but uh yeah oh I really I wanted to see that picture that would have made me really happy but I, I don't know. It just hasn't Alas. existed. He's anymore. let the whole event down, Antonio. You've let yourself okay. down. You've let the fans down. I hope you're happy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry, Antonio, for these two. Uh, <laughs> they you, are though. going in. No, you can't say that. You can't say. I saw you him on a scooter. Love you. On in Monaco when I went for the Formula E, he was just going along on a scooter, and I messaged it to Tommy, and I really wish I took a picture of it now because you had a really funny caption for it, and it was Giovinazzi on a scooter, but you were going to say Christ on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really sad that I missed clever. out on that because that was a really funny caption. Well, uh, my two uh, cameramen, Rory and Benji, they were uh, they were out in Miami and they saw <laughs> Antonio Giovinazzi in a shopping trolley um, saying, <laughs> I am Jesus Christ. If you've seen that on social media, you'll know what I mean. Um, that was genuinely a video that they took. It wasn't just some random stock thing that we found and was like, oh, that's Antonio. That was literally someone going through Miami saying he was Jesus Christ um, in a shopping trolley. Moving on. Time for ABCDF1, where Tommy has some jingles. So it's a surprise. So do you remember ages ago we asked about the ABCDF1 jingles? Yes. Um, finally got some to play. So what I think we should do is shout out a different person each week, and we'll play a different one each week, and keep sending them contact okay. at WTF1.com. Uh, pick a number between one and four. Four. Okay. First jingle is from Emily for sure curse. I hope I've not butchered that name. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. A, B, C, D, E, F, one. Drivers rated, you'll get frustrated. Don't forget it's all for fun. Wow. That is great. Wowie, that is thank you. That was that was Emily. Emily. Well yeah. done, Emily. That is uh, you've got far more, far much more talent than any of us here. So well done for that. I know Tommy to be fair plays guitar, but yeah, that is uh, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. And now it's time for A B C D E F one. So let's dive straight into it. Let's talk firstly about Lewis Hamilton, and we are going, or we, I, I am going to give Lewis Hamilton a B. Yeah, same. Unlucky well. again. Yeah. He needs to Very be a bit unlucky. firmer, it sounds like, with his guys on strategy. Because George Russell was adamant that he was going to stay out and sort of have the gamble for a late safety car. Maybe Lewis 
need to do the same. I don't really know. That was the first time I've I've heard Lewis sort of. You tell me. Get a bit mm. uh, sassy at his team. Um, the thing is, he usually, uh, and I can understand why I can, his team uh, asked yeah, him. I, yeah. Because Lewis usually goes, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then they asked him, he's like, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was, if it, people haven't seen it in the interview afterwards, he was like, I don't really get why they were telling me they're the ones with the data and stuff. Um, mm. So, yeah, again, it, identical to um, Australia, really, where he was ahead of Russell and then yeah. safety car switched him. So B for Hamilton and the fans gave him a B. Uh, George Russell, I'm also going to give him a B. Yeah, definitely can't can't get high, higher than Hamilton. I'd probably give him a lower grade than Hamilton, but it's still a B. Yeah, I think B. Had a terrible qualifying as well, but managed to make it up in the race, but got lucky. Safety cars yeah. love the guy. He did. Uh, yeah, he, he's a safety car merchant. As <laughs> um, yeah, so B from us. Uh, the fans gave him an A, which fair i mean he did have a good strategic call there about saying to stay out which is fair enough he, he rolled the dice and, and it worked out for him but still a b from us uh, max verstappen a star <laughs> yeah <laughs> not a perfect weekend but still i think the race still worthy of an a star so he's just inevitable and it's really annoying me <laughs> <laughs> no it's it, it, you just know that when he's got a good car he's probably he going will to win, win. yeah um, and it's and it is very very. I mean, he's he's literally just continued his form from last year. There's not any. There's never a dip in Max Verstappen's performance, which is insane. Like you know, you, you see these things running around on Twitter. I know you did it as soon as you came it's back. Oh, Tommy, that's why. <laughs> Tommy, oh, last forty results. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and it is incredible. Like Max Verstappen is unbelievable, uh, and yeah, and he deserves an A star. And the fans gave him an A star as well. Sergio Perez. It's like a high B. I can't give him an A, I yeah. don't think. Um, the it, if it had a really good car, that is, and his car was performing well, then maybe we could have given him an A because he could have got through on one or maybe both Ferraris. But yeah, it, he had a, you know, made a mistake in qualifying, didn't he? Uh, and, um, and whatnot. But I, I think, think it's a high B. Because yeah, it's, it, a, sol- it, it's it, a solid it, race. But he had a, ch- yeah. he had a chance with those tyres. I, I personally thought, oh, this could be really intriguing that could could Sergio actually you know get both Ferraris here but yeah. the advantage the advantage really wasn't that that high and with the difficulty to pass it wasn't going to happen so yeah and with all the issues with his engine as well that cost him a lot of time um but yeah I think a high B as Matt has said and doesn't <laughs> allow me normally to have but we'll go for a high B <laughs> yeah just feel like I need to need to say that uh, and so the fans gave, <laughs> yeah and so the fans g- uh, gave Perez a B as well Charles Leclerc, A. Yeah. Yeah, a. can't give him an A star. No, unfortunately he not. Have, a bit he better. probably, yeah, he probably could have won, but I totally understand why he didn't go for a move because he still got a decent lead so far. I mean, um, it's slowly whittled down, but it's still, what is it? 18 points, 20 points? Nine, I think it's 19. <laughs> 18, Somewhere 20, in 19. Okay, in great. the middle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's coming down. Um, it, we didn't actually really speak about the defence that he put up against Max. Of course, he made that mistake into turn 17, which then put Max right on him. Uh, and then it seemed as though he was almost like, I'm happy to finish second here a little bit. There wasn't. It wasn't the most aggressive defence I've Maybe ever seen. Maybe he's a bit scarred after him. Yeah. 
potentially. Um, mm. But th- there is a lot of racing room being given at the moment, I think, between those two, which it's all right. You wanted to you wanted to get a little bit touch and go at times, don't you? Like I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like he, he obviously made the mistake. He was a bit of a sitting duck. He, it, it, either way, I think Max would have got through uh, and on the side that he would have defended. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a shame because that making a mistake at turn seventeen was was one of those corners where you just lost so much time. Um, I remember he ran wide and lost a second, and like he just had the smallest lockup. It's crazy. Um, yes, yeah, so the fans gave Leclerc an A. We give him an A as well. Carlos signs. I think probably screwed over Leclerc a little bit at the start by not staying in second because um, that could have changed uh, the, the race slightly, although I don't know how long he would have kept Verstappen back, uh, but it would have maybe given Leclerc a little bit more of a buffer uh, moving into the next part of the race. Um, B. Yeah, B. It's a shame, really, because that would have been quite a fascinating narrative to see science sort of playing rear gunner to Leclerc but also wanting his first win. But it just never, I don't know, we've still not really seen science push Leclerc in the race, have we? No. No, we've not. It's frustrating. away a little bit, didn't it, as well? Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say it's frustrating because there, there is potential there. And I mean, obviously he had his um, incident on Friday, which then he said he was suffering from neck pain and stuff throughout the weekend because it was a big shunt. Um, and then he also got mugged off in the pit stop. But I feel like so many people this weekend had issues with pit stops so yeah I think it's going to be a B but it's one of those it's going to be one of those weekends of like a what if I think because he really I think it's the closest apart from maybe what we saw in Bahrain of him getting close to matching Charles so yeah Yeah. I'll go B but there was a lot of good things and things that didn't work out for him which also seems to be the story of his life at the moment (laughs) So the fans gave him a B and he had that massive knock on the head, didn't he, as well, going through that. Oh, my thing. God. I'm surprised yeah. he wasn't concussed to be honest after that because like, he did honestly, cut his head. It was blood and everything. It was horrible. Um, moving on, Lando Norris. Ooh, that sounded very like, sorry, signs. you hit your head. Moving on. Um, Bleeding everywhere, that. but Lando Norris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay now. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Lando Norris. He was having an okay race, had the slow pit stop. I'm going to give him a C. Yeah, C. C. Uh, fans gave him a C as well. Dan Ricardo, bit anonymous, sent something on Sonoda, which was quite fun to watch. Um, where did he finish in the end? 13th. That's going to be... Uh, uh, <laughs> he was also somebody that got mugged off by strategy, though. Yeah, true. It's a low strategy C, this weekend was C. not it. Yeah. Okay, C. Uh, and the fans gave Ricardo a C. Fernando Alonso. He um is on one. Yeah, a great start. <laughs> yeah. Great he did. Yeah, the amazing to start. Yeah. Tag Hamilton on the start, but it was yeah, still was, good aside from that. that bit. <clears throat> and then he kind of just went a bit erratic because once again he got done over by a pit stop and then drove like a lunatic to make yeah. up for it, crashing into everyone in sight, it seemed, and it got penalized accordingly. So D. I'd love to sit here and be like, well, that was really great. But yeah, there's no point in doing all that if you then get penalized post-race and lose all the points yeah, that you got in the first exactly. place. So yeah, I think he gets yeah, a D. Have to be a D. Yeah, same. It's a great, he had great pace, but just ruined his chance of mm. points, really. Yeah, fans gave Alonso a C. Esteban Ocon started from the back, finished mm. to P8. 
Yeah, P8. Uh, 20th to 8th, yeah. That's a very good, very good drive from Esteban. You had a 51G uh, crash as well. Yeah. One Jeez. of the biggest crashes of his career, he said. Sorry, sorry, the biggest yeah, crash of his geez. career because of that because of that concrete wall that they did, that still wall, didn't put yeah. Tech Pro in. By the way, so thankfully no one did crash in there. Did they just not have Tech Pro here, or I don't know? Like, what was the re- like? Surely you just put it in, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with an A. Mm, no, I'm gonna go for A, B because it was his mistake that missed qualifying. And eighth is probably where he should have finished if he just started normally. That is true. Yeah, I think. Oh, what would I give him an A? <laughs> Come with me, Katie. Just give him an A. Can you give him an A. Like, I'll the track give out was an horrible. A, loads you know? of people made a mistake through there. Like, you know, it's not the only one. Come on, let's go with an A. Okay. All good. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ocon got a B from the fans and B from Grouchy Tommy. Uh, <laughs> Pierre Gasly. Um, well, I mean, caused Lando's crash, in my opinion, because of the way Should in which his car was broken. Uh, Going to give him a D. Yeah, I think that's Ooh, fair. Oh, that's harsh. Oh. <laughs> no, I think he should have stopped. I think yeah. it was it was um, a little bit erratic, in my opinion, uh, to carry on. Uh, I was almost going to a B, but I'm going to say C. Okay. And he, he was really good. He was he qualified seventh and got. Mm, yes, I think his best quality of the year or something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Alonso is just ending. Actually, the I reason, can't give the, the same car... grade to Alonso to Gasly because yeah, because it was Alonso yeah. that did that to his car. It was his. Okay, wife. I'll go see. All right. Okay. Maybe I was maybe I was a bit too harsh. We'll, we'll meet in the middle. We'll go with C. All right. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Uh, and the fans gave him a C as well. Yuki Sonoda. He fell like a stone, didn't he? Yeah, uh, that's in this race. It's a big shame. Finished twelfth in the end, didn't he? Um, or maybe a low C, maybe a D. C. I'm thinking I'm a give... D. Yeah, I'm Considering how D. many no, people got no wiped pace, out, did he? Yeah. no. Yeah, I'm going to think D. he'd be one of the ones that could make up for all the retirements. Mm. So's Yuki. Yeah, he's looked so much. It, like he was yeah, looking just, quite good, especially in Q2. I was like, oh my God, he could beat Gasly here, and then still did well in qualifying. And then he just dropped, didn't he? Was mad. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. It really was. Uh, so we give Snyder a D, and the fans gave him a C. Sebastian Vettel was running in the tail end of the points, then had that crash with Mick. Started from the pit lane. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, I don't think he was at fault for the crash. I'm going to be. I've gone for a C. Yeah. Why? Well, I think he had part to play in the crash. He started, started from the pits. Aston Martin. Yeah, but his teammate was a fair bit better, I think, this weekend. I'm not saying something. Oh, did I say that out loud? Okay. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. C? We're going with a C? Yeah, C. Let's <laughs> go for a C. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Understandable. Understandable. We move. We move. Um, now we move on to Lance Stroll then, who finished tenth. So Lance was behind Seb when the crash happened. Was he? Yeah, no, he was ahead of it. Well, yeah, because Lance had finished. Lance finished tenth, and Mick and uh, Seb were fighting for ninth. Uh, sorry. Yeah, because he was up there at the start, wasn't he? And then uh, Magnussen made he dropped to fifteenth. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. He 
he, mm. his qualifying as well was was very good though to be fair yes he did um, a great job um, he did I think he gets a B yeah I, I can't I, I'm gonna give Lance the same as Seb then if I'm giving Seb a C I'm giving I'm giving uh, Lance a C as well well, at least Lance managed to, to finish keep out any, of uh, any cars and any cars away. <laughs> Mind you, did you see the end bit with Magnuson and Stroll? <laughs> yeah. Kevin was just like off the track, you go. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. But... So, uh, they were literally just like, nah, we'll just we'll just race wherever. There's no walls there. It got really scrappy at the end, didn't it? Mm. Where the, oh, they so were just scrappy. almost taking the mick of how crazy the track was, and they were just sort of running off in all the runoff areas and just making dive bombs and not happening because you can't break on the anything off the racing line we didn't even speak about crofty getting stroll and uh, vessel wrong for an entire battle <laughs> i didn't know i didn't notice that you didn't even notice that no. <laughs> mm, that was frustrating. when they were battling and it was um i can't remember which way it was around but he literally said it was vettel was it latifi uh, and stroll but it was latifi oh and yeah vettel. i remember that yeah Whatever it was, it? but he the literally commentated on it for an entire minute and a half or something and was kept saying it. And I was like, no, that's Vettel. That's Vettel. <laughs> you can see the number five. That's Vettel. She kept going. Uh, so, wow, Tommy didn't notice it. Probably you were feeding Grace or trying mm. to put her into the onesie or something. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so Lance Stroll, B, B for you from Go you guys B, yeah. and, and the B uh, from the fans as well. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, let me finish the race. That's good. <laughs> oh, uh, He's getting the most patronizing 14. results now, isn't he? It's like he finished, he didn't crash. It's uh, a D, think it, D day. Yeah, D. Yeah, when you see the performances, his teammate is pulling out the bag. He needs to step up his game, I think. Yep, so D for Latifi and D from the fans. Alex Alban, going to give him um, A. Easy. A. Yeah, so I was thinking maybe even higher, but we'll, we'll yeah. go with an A. We gave him an A star when he got 10th in Australia. So I feel like... I think that was an absolute worldy strategy, though, uh, based on what he did, uh, based on him. Like, I think it was really good, don't get me wrong. Mm. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame going for an A star, but where, where it kind of not downgrades a bit is obviously because of the, the Mick chaos and stuff he was running True. like and think, was it like 12th well. at the end or something and then obviously those drivers yeah. all just got, got promoted up. yeah okay we'll go a <laughs> you've been convinced <laughs> and the fans gave alban an a as well next up valtteri bottas i'm giving him an a yeah hey again yeah shame he made that mistake i bet he was good as well because it was the two mercs he was holding off and he could yeah, have done such one over on them no such a shame uh, the fans gave him an a as well then you've got Zhou Guan Yu, who oh, had a problem. Unluckiest um, guy in F1 right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, had a had a poor qualifying. Um, he got blocked in quality, didn't he? Basically. He he it was the he got uh he did his run when everyone else was uh doing the thing where they mess about and queue up, so he just didn't get a lap. Yeah, it's not um, not good timing from the team. Then, uh, we'll go with C. Yeah, C. Yeah, I think so. How many grade him on however many laps he did, like six or something. Yeah. And the fans gave him a C as well. Then you got K Mag. I mean, he was a bit slower than Mick this weekend. I'm going to give him a C. Yeah, C. Yeah, C. I think. Fans gave him a C as well. And Mick Schumacher. Oh, it's such a shame because it was looking like maybe an A, but it's going to be a D. Yeah. 
empty. Mm. C. Okay. The fans gave okay. him a C. We gave him a D because we're, we're they angry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Miami predictions. So I went for Stein's weekend goes badly. Now I would like to I would like to argue this one. Oh, no, how he hit his head! <laughs> he crashed. He crashed in FP. He he hit his head. He had a bad start. I think that's half a point. Qualified pretty well. Got on the podium. No. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's half a point. It's absolutely no, no. half a point. Definitely. What? He's cost his team hundreds of thousands of euros. <laughs> That's a bad weekend, in my opinion. Uh, and Haas don't make Q3. All right, I'll have they one didn't. point then. Fine, whatever. Katie. I said too much hype will mean a dull race. It was dull yeah. for most of it, so I'm taking it. Oh, yeah, you said, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to argue. And then I said Alpha Towery double points, so we'll just move on from that one. And said, Tommy. <laughs> Joe Guanyu makes Q3, so I jinxed him good there. Good and Merck on the podium, jinxed him as well. Uh, and then Alex Jakes predicted a race in a car park, and that was correct. So well done, yeah. Alex. Alex um, Jakes going to end up winning this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing. 100%. One podcast appearance, and yeah. it's like predictions uh, championship is won by Alex Jakes. Uh, now the fans have, oh no, I've just realized I haven't done my Spain predictions. Uh, uh, um, Levicious X, Bottas will finish in the top five again. Oh, I'm going to argue oh, so for Olivia. Close. I want to argue for Olivia. She didn't specify when, and he Ooh. finished top five in quality. So I think we give her a point. And half I said po- I would defend half her. Points so. master plan. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. What, what what is this? If I mean, I'm going to go back to size. The weekend goes badly because I didn't no, specify what part of the weekend goes badly. I've just and, re- uh, I, I recognise her name. She's Team WTF one, so it's a point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this, this is this is bias beyond. Yeah. Uh, team, team WTF one bias. <laughs> I'll, I'll go become a team WTF member just so I get all of the uh, all of the points <laughs> from here on in. Um, P. Sotino, Leclerc wins by a thirty second margin. No, Broa Key eighty three. Will Smith is waving the finish flag, or at least he's going to sing. I'm going to Miami that weekend. Uh, it didn't do either of those because uh, things happened in the <laughs> past few weeks. Uh, right, uh, Katie, what's your predictions, please? No, Matt, I want to hear yours first. <laughs> You're joking. Strollock qualifies Vettel. Uh, that's one of them. Oh, I've just put out qualifies Vettel. And my other one is Mick Schumacher scores points. <laughs> Cute drinks in the poor lad. Cool. Right. Well, my one is a Williams Q2 appearance. And then Hamilton will finish ahead of Russell. Wow, I mean, no well, safety car race around Spain as well. Like, gee, that to be he fair, Williams every won. Week. Williams, won's fine. <laughs> Williams won's fine. Uh, he just said a seven-time champion will finish. Anyway, Wait, well, he's yes. not done he's it. Not so done it. Yeah, he's not. Apart done from it. in Bahrain, it's that, that's so weird that that's a prediction. We're like, oh, that's that's actually quite out there, Tommy. Yeah, uh, I've gone for science gets pole. Oh, Why not? Be great. In fact, the home crowd. Um, yeah, it just gets yeah. a bit of home buzz, um, and stroll in the points. Okay. So Lance nice. Stroll will out-qualify Vettel and then he'll score points. That's uh, that's what me and Tommy are going yep. for there. Love it. Uh, questions. Sam underscore sh- underscore 24. Questions. Joe Kwan Yu, Q3 <laughs> and Joe Q3 and points. Robin's formula, both Aston Martins in the points. And King Morpheus, Leclerc and Verstappen have their first coming together, causing at least one to DNF. Oh, if that happens, Katie's doing the podcast on our own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll be fighting you. 
uh there you go that is it thank you so much everybody for watching tommy what's your final thoughts uh my final thoughts are i'm so glad it's spain next um <laughs> and i can't wait to talk about another boring chicane but at least after that it's a great race that's monaco so all good yeah well, right. well that well-known like well banging Everyone's in its dull yeah. era right now with the next two races, but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, to be fair, though, I think I think Spain's going to be completely transformed with these new cars, and I think it's going to be a decent race. That should have been my uh, that should have been my prediction, actually. Uh, and Katie, uh, my final thoughts are: um, hopefully, Miami listen to the feedback, and we have a better race there next year. Cool. And my final car are, I think Spain will be good. Huh? Set your car park up better next year, Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Too many bumps, too many track surface problems. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Uh, if you want to join Team WTF1, you can watch this podcast early on a Monday. We didn't do it today because uh, I'm in a different time zone. But uh, from the, for the next one, they will ones, get it will today, though. They will they're, get it today. They're getting this today. So, everyone else has to wait. Not live, but they get it. They usually yeah. get it live, but they get it today. So, if you want to watch early, then join Team WTF1 and be sure to give us a thumbs up, five stars, whatever you want to do on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a comment, say how much you love it, and all that good stuff. Thank you very much, Katie and Tommy. And we'll see you very soon for another video. Bye. Bye. Bye.